by the second sentence, you're going to be rolling your eyes. Like probably if you're, if you start rolling your eyes too early with this game, you're going to have issues with your eyes (laughs) by the end of (laughs) this game. You're going to have sore eye muscles. Welcome to New Game Plus. You are listening to a retro gaming podcast where three guys spend seven days playing one old game, and then we talk about it. My name's Dustin. My name's Kenny. Nolan. And this is episode 159, which is one away from 160. Uh, which and one higher than 158. Right. There's nothing special about <laughs> 160. It's just a nice round number, so there's that. Um, this is the week of Thanksgiving here in the States, which means there are only a few episodes left before we find ourselves in 2019, which is crazy. Crazy. Yikes. I, I feel like it sounds so trite and trivial and people say it all the time, like redundant, whatever other word that I could throw out here. But I feel like years don't really happen the same <laughs> they used to anymore. They go I by- think that's true. Why though? I think they go a lot faster nowadays. Do you think, think they sped up the clocks? Up yeah, there I feel like something along, <laughs> something along those lines. It's a conspiracy. Uh, we've got some really, really excited things planned for the new year. Oh, yeah, <laughs> some we things do. that we've been working on for months now. Yeah. Uh, and we're not ready to talk about all of them yet, but we're quitting. we do. Uh, what? We're quitting. The most exciting thing is that we are stopping this podcast. We've right been working on retiring now. <laughs> we just hit stop. Yeah. All right, yeah, <laughs> no, uh, not, that's that part's not true. But there that's are some cool things that we're going to be sharing with you. Uh, one of them we're going to start talking about here at the end of the episode today. So stay tuned to the end of the episode, and you'll be able to hear more about that. Don't skip. But for Don't now, skip ahead. did. Either of you hear that PlayStation is skipping at E3 for the first time in the <gasps> show's 24-year history. I did. No. It's Why? a big deal. It's a big deal. And first of all, can I just pause? And I don't want to stay here long, but pause. Kenny, I'm just proud of you. You've just been knowing stuff lately. I, you know, it's weird. It's Wait, like did the you internet that, has information and I spend too much time on the internet. Yeah, but don't <laughs> act like that used to be the case. That's true. I'm, I'm less of a digital hermit than I have been. Yeah, I, well, I'm i just really proud of you. But yes, and that's a big deal that PlayStation's skipping because uh, Nintendo's there and Nintendo has been there. But even this last year, do you remember, like they're doing their own keynotes and reveals pretty much separate from E3 for a couple of years now. Oh, and even yeah. this last year, remember, they just played a video. They played a, yeah, a long like, video. They didn't even come and talk about it. So like things are changing with what we used to know as E3. PlayStation not even showing up. That's, that's crazy. They... For for Nintendo, E3 goes away forever. It won't affect them at all. Like, they already have yeah. their Nintendo Direct several times a year. So, is Xbox and Microsoft next? Right. That's interesting. Like, I, I am curious to that. I, I used to get so excited about E3, right? Because of the reveals mm-hmm. that were going to come and all of that. But for the most part now, that's fallen flat for a while. Like, it's been yeah. awkward people out there. There's been a cringe compilation oh, that's oh, been the highlight yeah. of E3. <laughs> I 
I wonder if we're seeing the end of an era in how companies announce their titles. Yeah. I feel like when E3 came out and was being and grew over the years and got bigger and bigger and they started to up their production quality, they were trying to make it into something like not like sports, but like some other type of genre. Like with yeah. you're saying with those awkward people on the mic, some of those people have no business being on stage or talking for more than two they've, seconds. They've never played a video game or spoken to people <laughs> ever. <laughs> like it's it's rough now. I get more excited about Nintendo Directs. Yeah, and I'm wondering if like as the months years progress, if we're going. I don't know if E3 is going to just fade away. It might just turn into something else entirely. But I think these independent these companies are going to kind of independently go their own route, do their own thing because they've got their own fan base. And if they mm-hmm. say, hey, we're going to have a direct or something like that on this date at this time, they'll have more people that tune into that, I feel like, they'll, than mm-hmm. try to find them at E3. They'll just throw their own BlizzCon and make mobile games. Oh, goodness. Don't bring that up. But it's a little unfortunate because I I do like the idea of these companies coming together under one brand or name to announce hype stuff for gaming. So it feels a little like segregated if we're all only doing one company's private events. And I don't know. I'm a a little torn about it. But I mean, they do what they want. And they obviously don't think that they're getting enough return on their you know, investment, so to speak, for it to be yeah. worth participating uh, in. Check, so. check. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah? Uh, my microphone messed up. Mech, check. One, one two. Mech, check. Wow. One. You are the worst person. <laughs> I was about to stop recording. <laughs> like in our retro game of the week, Mech Warrior. Overview. Dustin, you got to check yourself. Can he... You Don't gotta make, make yourself it worse. <laughs> Why not? If you've already gone there, then I should just revel in how bad it is. We need to go back to where we don't acknowledge these. We just move on. <laughs> we've okay. always acknowledged them, though. I've never oh, yeah, not given always, you a hard time about anything. We've always said we don't need to, but we we just don't need. One to. One time, talk you're about gonna it. drop it so naturally that we won't even realize you have, and that's the day that we'll actually quit the podcast. Mac Warrior is a bad game that came out in 1989. Oh. <laughs> it was developed by Dynamics and it was published by Activision. Activision. A, Activision, yeah. Everybody know, I mean Activision uh, like Call of Duty is Black responsible Ops. for everything, right? Yeah, the new Black Ops game. <laughs> uh Destiny, right? Uh Yeah, I've partnered with Blizzard lately. Well, right, in Diablo the 2000s, Infinity. Sh- will you stop <laughs> with that? <laughs> Whatever. They also, I think they were a part of Crash Bandicoot series, Spyro, Wolfenstein, like just everything. Dang. Yeah. So huge publisher. Dynamics, not so popular. Probably an older uh, PC development company that got bought out. I don't know. I got to be honest, I didn't look at their title lists, but I never heard of them. MechWarrior is a PC DOS game that came out and I said, 1989. So it's pretty old. And it's um, categorized online as a a vehicular combat game, but I would refute that pretty hard and call it a an RP a first person RPG. 
Wait, I don't know uh, if you guys argue would, with me. It is not a vehicular combat. It's absolutely game. not. But it's the Wikipedia page calls it a vehicular combat game. Are you serious? Well, I yeah, mean, the, uh, yeah. the series becomes vehicular combat, and it's based off of the whole like BattleTech thing, which I think was actually uh, like a series of board games. I don't have a good understanding. It of, was like, yes, BattleTech pre you know MechWarrior and them going to to computers, but like it lives in a world where it is these these mechs that are fighting each other and that becomes absolutely the primary focus of the games in the future. But I think you're right, Nolan, this is a hundred percent like a sci-fi role-playing simulation where you also get to do a little bit of almost like side questing (laughs) that is based around, Oh, for sure. You know, battling these mechs. So it's (laughs) like, it's a component of the game and clearly one that they wanted to push, but I don't even think it's the main component. And I would say that it's even more of an RPG because it starts off with this like JRPG story that has yeah. no sense and it makes but, no sense with this genre. I mean, listen, I, I understand that you can play this game differently than than like someone else. And so you could play it where you're primarily in a mech fighting other mechs. But I did so few of that. Like, like I, that was the smallest part of my game time. <laughs> the majority of my game time was this text adventure. Like, yeah, seriously, it was like this text Point adventure click. where I was, I'm going to, di- I mean, very old school where you, old school RPG kind of where you go to a new location, like a new town is a new planet in this game. You talk to the barkeep about local rumors. You visit the shop, you take missions, you do a couple, and then you move to the next planet. Like I was doing a lot more text adventure RPG-esque stuff and, and spent little time inside of my actual mech. Yeah. And, so, and I mean, to be fair, that's kind of the piece that really is supposed to move the story forward. But they do encourage you to, you know, to to be playing the mech battles as kind of the primary thing. But then there's kind of end arounds that force you to not have to be able to do that. And we'll get into more of that as we sort of talk about the game, you know, more in depth. But it, it definitely felt the mech battling felt peripheral to me, which was kind of strange. The story is stupid. You're it follows this guy named Gideon, and he's the heir to this planet's throne. Like you own the planet, I guess. And but you your family's been murdered, and the only proof of your heritage and you being the heir is this chalice. <laughs> That has been stolen, and you've got to go f- get it back with giant robots. And <laughs> yeah, so, which actually sounds like a pretty like standard, over the top sci fi kind of story to me. Sounds like Quentin Tarantino wrote this story. Like well, it oh. makes no sense. Well, listen, if you like sci fi, this is deep sci fi. Like they cut deep with this because again, there's tons of text. That that's just the setup. It gets a lot more sci fi e from absolutely. There. Uh, you don't really have aliens, I don't think. So it's just humans for the most part, which in a lot of sci-fi you do have aliens. But man, from everything, like with I, I can't even begin but to go into in, it. it. Right, yeah. it's in space with giant robots that fight each other, and where your your missions do things like develop loyalty for certain houses or factions, yeah, or not. And five. so you're making choices in this world that again just feels sort of properly old school sci-fi 
and it, I don't know if we mentioned yet, we may have, but this is going to really frame a lot of our conversation here, but this is early PC. This is like, we played on DOS box this week to like early DOS. It's like 1989. <laughs> and yeah. so that's the kind of game where you started up by typing in code <laughs> to, to play <laughs> the actual game. Gameplay. So you start this game with a broken down Jenner mech, which Kendall is Jenner. just that, that kind <laughs> of mech. Uh, you, you come across various mechs within the game. You start with the Jenner mech, which is not a terrible mech and it's not the best mech, but it is kind of beat, beat up. There's a system that uh, persists in this game where you your mech gets damaged and you can repair certain parts of it and or you could repair all of it if you've got the currency, but you rarely do. So you start off with the Jenner mech on a random planet with a five-year time limit before you lose the game. And it only <laughs> it really, really mentions years. that. Yeah, it doesn't like, it doesn't, it doesn't spell that out for you. It doesn't keep it in front of you. So it's very easy to kind of just hop into this game. Think you can go about life being a mercenary without any kind of punishment. And you find and out five years over. later, right? Game over. So uh, <laughs> you, you can't do that. You've got to kind of move forward. But five years is generous. So you should have plenty of time to do what you need to do. To, Although, to be fair, this is five years of game time. Not five years. <laughs> it's real of yeah. real lifetime. I feel like people were following me there, Kenny. <laughs> I just you gotta point it out. You never know. When I first booted up the game, I'm expecting some sort of like okay, this is what you need to do. But you mentioned that, Dustin, that you spent a lot of time in dialogue and like point and click. And oh, that's yeah. that's what I did for a long time before I figured out what needed to happen because it's it's very menu based this game like you're looking at a ui that is not intuitive and honestly i was just trying to understand what i needed to do because it didn't really especially for like the gameplay it's really unclear it's easy to like navigate the menu i mean it's just arrows and jump in in and out nolan you're about to say it but kenny did a first play this week and thank god because if you or i tried to do a first play i would have have just given up yeah, no one yeah. would have stopped, I feel like. But Kenny Kenny was able to find his way around the menu. He's fine with taking his time to click through these different images. All you have is these dif- different images. Right, you have no idea what, they're, what they and mean. And so he would click through and for the most part kind of figured out what each one meant or what each one represented. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. It's not intuitive at the beginning, but I do think that it's relatively easy to learn which ones do what. Uh, fairly quickly right and you don't have a huge scope of things like you're either jumping into missions which let's be real let's talk about those missions for a second because i think i think we should we've talked about how peripheral they are and if you enjoy that piece of the game you might be playing a little bit more of it but the missions only do like a couple of things there's a few of them but a very few that you have to complete to actually beat the game most of the time yeah very very few like I think a mission in like two parts or like two missions or something like that. It's it's not a lot. Most of the time they're like procedurally generated contracts right. that you can take or negotiate, which was yeah, I which thought, is interesting. No one's probably not going to let us say anything good about this. No, I game, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't. <laughs> it, right. I, I don't know. You have to read up on this game before you play it or no. or it's going to be slow trudging here at the beginning. But you can negotiate 
three pieces of your mercenary contracts. You can you can negotiate your pay, the percentage of confiscated equipment while on that mission, what? and the percentage of pay received <laughs> immediately before you even take that mission. And, and that's even on top of choosing which types of missions you go on. There's missions where you're attacking something yeah, like, that are kind of offensive. And the defense. Right, and there's defensive missions where you're trying to protect something instead. Mm. And how much you make... And even who you're working for and your relationship with those people all change kind of dynamically based on which missions you take and how you negotiate them and where you're at in the game. So, Nolan, what game did you play this week? <laughs> Not this game. <laughs> I, is there a guide? I'm sure there's a wiki, right? Like, there's yeah, a, I'm sure. Y'all I'm had sure to there's, read I, that in fact, there's you know what? There's a whole community of of people around this Battletech Mech Warrior stuff. I do not want to be a part of that community. Dude, they have a whole wiki for the... You know how like some popular games have their own wiki that Uh you can go to? Uh, They have their own where they contribute story and like uh, all of these things. It's, It's insane. But... I, I would just love to hear you if we, you know, if you hadn't read up, just you trying to explain what you do in this game. Because Maybe I it would probably sound very play. different than what we're saying. Yeah. Right. It would have been like just you jump into a mission no matter what and you don't read it and then it's hard and you die and then you quit the well, game. I talk to the bartender for a lot, a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, which but, uh, so. It's weird because they they set you up. They want you to be in these mechs and fighting very clearly. Like that's the selling point of this game, as oh, we've yeah, already mentioned. Sure. Yeah. But they 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 set up the story so poorly, and it, like to start with, and then so you don't really know what to do or where to go or how right. to start or you know. And, and then honestly, the best way to play this game, like if you're trying to be most efficient, it is to immediately sell your single mech and then complete the story mode up until the very end. Where you have to, where you have to get prepared for the final battle, and the I think the only mission that you actually have to take. In fact, taking missions early on to go out in your mech and fight other mechs is a bad idea because the money you make, you have to spend right away on repairs. So you can never go to the different planets that you need to go to, and you can never like actually progress the story if yeah. you jump into battles it's, right away. It's fundamentally flawed because, and I, for, I think for a couple of reasons, there. There's two reasons outside of like storyline things that are driven and I want to be playing a mech warrior game. It's literally in the title. But there's there's only two reasons beyond the fun factor to even hop in a mech. One is to complete missions to make money and the other is to like any crew that you've hired to like level them up. But as you play the game or realistically when you're playing for a short time like a week, as you read about how the game functions, you realize that it's more efficient to do like buying and selling of mechs based on what worlds you're on and make money that way than it is to actually oh battle with your mechs to make money. And it's more efficient to just fire your low-level crew and hire a new higher-level crew once you're able to than it is to actually train your people. <laughs> yeah. So but, the but- whole point of this game is something that if you want to play the game efficiently, you shouldn't actually be doing much of. All of that being said, I think we're going to run away people talking about strategy anymore because one, no one's probably going to play this game. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then two, there's our strategy's not going to be that helpful just because, okay. yeah, go. I think they gave the player too much freedom here because Ooh. when I was, like I said, I, it took me a long time to figure out what I was doing and I never did. I'm lost hearing y'all talk about this. And 
if they would have just allowed me or laid out in front of me a clear progression, like, like here's your like, goals, here's your first mission or your first actual storyline oh, yeah. thing hey, you got to figure out. You know what could have remedied this? Yeah, like a quest log. If you just had a quest, quest log, log that, something. Oh Absolutely. my goodness, that would have solved it. Right, that would have helped, and maybe reduce the amount of freedom. Like, don't be able to sell your mech at the beginning, in order like right. that should have or been force a some thing. of those gameplay things so that you can't avoid them. You know, make make some of the quests more of the quests actually battle accomplishing. Yeah, you know, because again, or, it just becomes peripheral to beating the game. Now you can jump in this game and you can play with fighting of the mechs and i think we should definitely talk about how that works and your controls and all that stuff at least a little bit but it definitely was not designed in a way to make it what drove the 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 motion of this game which seems so silly to me without talking about like strategy and like the in-depth stuff about mech battles build that out kenny the reason why i'm not going to is because i did so few of that as i admitted from the start <laughs> nolan probably had no clue what was going on you know. in your game at least found you completed your first mission and took out a mech which i was super proud of you for just <laughs> kind of lucky very, very quickly kind of just walk through that uh, right so we already talked that there's different missions and depending how big a crew you've hired you may have a really easy mission or a really impossible mission. Uh, and some of that depends on like state of how you go into the mission. And so there's some meta things that if you play the game more, you ought to know. But in general, the stuff that you mentioned earlier, Dustin, are kind of the main mechanics. You've got a series of mechs. The better the mech is, quote unquote, you know, the more like ammo they can deal and damage they can take and how big they are and just generally, you know, how cool they look, whatever else. Uh, increases in terms of cost and so your availability to get them but so you get the best team of mechs you can in theory and you go and jump in one of these missions and then depending on what your goal is you're just running around in this sort of like faux 3d interface so the top of your screen is your view out like out the window of the mech so you're seeing some really simple and again we're talking very simple this is DOS era graphics. Like just shapes. Right. You're seeing like <laughs> some very shapes bright colors. that represent like terrain and then like some solid colors that represent like ground and sky. And then again, a little bit of artwork to sort of show that you're like in the cockpit of a mech. And you've got a little um, cursor, uh, like crosshairs. And then you slowly learn, but by looking it up, really – that you can run your mech around, forward, sideways, you can strafe, you can turn your upper body so your mech can like move forward and then you can be sort of strafing. There's all th sorts of things yeah. you can learn to do in theory, but they're hidden in really unintuitive and like buttons. Yeah, and it's not friendly. And unfortunately, on it, like I think this is what they wanted to shine, and I think it's the worst part of the game. It absolutely is. It absolutely is, which is too bad. And I think they realized that. And and I'll talk some more about this, but not a lot because we're talking about Mech Warrior. Uh, but as a kid, I had Mech Warrior Two as a game, and it very much became what this game was trying to be. You know, it 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 didn't get sidetracked with too many of the missions and stuff. There was some of that, but like you're j jumping in giant robots and battling technology had come a long way by that point. Sure. And like you, you navigate with an actual joystick and buttons that make sense. And it became a really cool, immersive, neat title. And I will stick to, I know Dustin, when we talked about this game initially, you had sort of said it was a sort of a second because it came out of some of the battle tech stuff. 
But I'm going to stick to my guns and say this is the first of the Mech Warrior series <laughs> proper, and that my play the sequel rule totally applies here. So it's the number two. It's not sequel. It's right, got to be a number two. It's Mech Warrior two. It's yeah. got no, yeah no. He's saying your theory. It's got to be a number two. Like uh, yeah. They don't always like put the two on there, but it has to be like the proper number two game. Uh, this was an the, ambitious title, that's for sure. The, oh, for sure, and absolutely, I, like some really cool ideas. Just I think probably like before its time, where it was able to actually like make it right. work. They were they were it, trying to do something way more in depth than what they could do easily. I'll and, tell you this: one one of the coolest things was going from planet to planet and i was actually playing the story so i wasn't doing the mech battles much at all uh and i was going from planet to planet i would talk to the barkeep he would tell me to come back later i would go and buy and sell a mech or whatever i'd come back to him he'd have some information and in that information he would just drop the name of a planet or and and so I would have to – so it's it's fun because I haven't had to do this in a long time. But I had to – since there isn't any kind of quest log, I had to like actually write down planet names on a document that I was uh, keeping beside me while I was playing. And <laughs> That's great. then I would have to – and then you can go to the kind of map and you've got these different regions, five different regions with probably two dozen planets in each region. It's, it's an insane amount of planets. And I think that each time that you play the game, some of the planets of where you go is randomized. And so uh, – and where the story sends you it's randomized and so i could either type in the planet's name or i could click on the region and then find the planet and then if i have enough money pay to go to that planet but and each planet has their different kind of climate and culture are they a thriving planet or are they like on the outskirts and no one knows about them um are do they have are, are they ruled by this organization or this organization like there's a lot of depth to it i just think again it's so audacious for such an early time and they just didn't have yeah. the resources to make it happen yeah they were think- trying to do something really epic and uh, yeah, just the uh, just the tools weren't there, or or maybe it was their implementation. Maybe they were. I mean, they they probably could have acknowledged that they wanted this to be more sort of sci-fi story, you know, with some peripheral mech battles and kind of changed even how the flow looked. But it it, it feels like it wasn't that. It feels like they tried to make a mech battle game and then just accidentally made it so that it wasn't about that at all. One other thing worth mentioning that I think was kind of cool, Dustin, you already talked about how how in-depth they tried to go with story and things. For the abilities they had, they also went pretty in-depth in trying to get these mech battles to be realistic. Like, you can shoot other mechs and not destroy them, but if you're shooting them with the right weapons and hitting them in the legs, you can just disable them. Yeah. Which is crazy. Your heads-up display is showing your mech and not just like a percentage of life, but specific damage that you're taking and where you're taking it on your body. You have a plethora of different weapons that you can choose which ones to buy and which ones to buy how much ammunition for. And so there's some strategy there and you run out of those those things and have to refill them. And then you have party members that you can give different mechs and uh, you can actually give them directions in battle of right. what you want them to do and how and you want disobey. them to do it. Yeah, so, well, at the beginning, but once they get <laughs> trained better and better, they actually like it's 
there's again, I think this goes back to there's so much potential and depth here that I hope and believe that in future installments of the series, they perfected and did better with. I, I, and I, I got to love the audacity here that they had in 1989. But man, oh man, are, are, are the ideas there, but the implementation is not. Yeah. Aged. I need Advil. Um, the graphics are MS Paint, except worse. <laughs> so let me explain. The text boxes are gray, and the text is gray. So some important things you'll need to read are very hard to read. So I think that the graphics um, could have been better, just not not because like, oh, the technology wasn't there. I'm not talking about the technology. I'm saying like, they had bad best practices for like readability. Like the, it's just really rough to read some of the text. And oh yeah, because you're not you're not talking about jumping into battle and like its ability to real time render 3D. You know, this isn't hardware limitations. No, these it's are pictures. static like screens. Yeah, right. That are coming up that could have been designed to be significantly more clear and pretty and. It definitely is not a great looking game, even for this era of games. I would say, though, that although the graphics are not the best, they're better than what we're doing with music. Oh, goodness. Or, or what music? Like, yeah, Beep. it's so for the most part, it is just your computer beeps. It is just nothing like uh, <laughs> I, you've got two different sets of music I, I believe you've got the shop music and so you'll hear that a lot because you're going to a shop often uh, or, or sorry shop uh, the bar the and bar, then yeah. you've got death music so you're going to hear both of them a whole lot <laughs> and those are the that's the only music the game uh, every other time is either completely silent or you're just hearing those persistent computer beeps yeah honestly. which is a little frustrating there is an opening music score I think as well and I will say that those tracks that did play, I don't feel like they were terrible musically, but the fact that it didn't persist, that you weren't having consistent music all the way throughout definitely drove me crazy. I thought the sound effects were worse than the content of the music itself, though how they used music was was terrible for me. I feel like I didn't want a track there because you're dealing with menus so much and reading and like micromanaging all your team and and stuff. Like if you had a repeating track that whole time, it would get so old and it would yeah. be very beepy. Like it's, it's yes, it's the kind of game that really calls for like an ambiance kind of music, not like yeah. music tracks. And True. there was just no good way to do that. Again, you're running, you're running some technology limitations here as well. When you're talking computers, in this area, like not all of these computers are going to have sound cards even. So it's just, they were limited in what they can do. And it's hard looking back to, to not like appreciate that. And when they do do things, at least try, but it certainly still makes the game a lot more drawing to try and immerse yourself in. What blows me away about all of this is that you're telling me there's a community, an active community that still plays this one or the new Oh, no, no, just that are that are popular for the series in for general. For the series. I don't I, think I, this is a super popular title. Right. I would okay, imagine. Murderers play this still. <laughs> murderers? I would imagine yes. they, <laughs> they don't focus on this, as Kenny said, uh, that they focus on some of the latter tile, titles. But even with those communities, they always are grateful for what the original had to offer. No, they're not. 
There is, we, we didn't even mention it, but there is a Super Nintendo version of this game. It oh. was based off of this game that came out with updated graphics and utilized Mode 7 for the mission sequences. Whoa. And so I wonder, and with the Super Nintendo, obviously you can do a lot more musically than you could with your, your DOS in 1989. Uh, that came out in 93, so I... It's not going to be great, but I wonder if it is an improvement to what we And we've Mode played. 7 could actually kind of work as an okay sure. way of going about doing those those battles. So I'm I'm intrigued as to how they did it. I still think for for the era the at least during battles, the heads up display and how they designed that, I felt like it was pretty intuitive and though yes, your graphics on the screen itself are very 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 basic. And, like, the gameplay has some obnoxious things. Like, you're just running around looking for another mech to shoot for a long time, and it's the most boring thing in the world. But for what they had to work with, I felt like they did an okay job of being like, sure, mountains and ground and 3D running around, and there's other mechs, and they actually look like mechs. And, again, contextualizing this game, I didn't have a problem with the way it looked for for the gameplay itself. I did hate the look of it, though, for the menuing and all the other navigating and some of that stuff. Totally. Can, can I read you guys something before we move out of this section? It is, uh, so there is a lot of text story in this game. And I do think that oh. is another thing that ages horrendously <laughs> oh, walls of text. It's not the best writing either. So here you we go. It in discord. Uh, I, no, 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 that's that you got to see the whole image for that. But this one is, it uh, was setting the scene Two heavily armed and competent looking thugs provide escort to a secret underground base outside the city. The scene is reminiscent of an ancient Arabian night hollow vid entertainers (laughs) naked, but for a few strips of silk twirl and pulse to the sensuous rhythms of an exotic band all about men and women in various states of undress lie on soft cushions, eating, (laughs) drinking and indulging in any whim on a dais dais above it all watching with his merciless black eyes sits the host and master grig grease or whatever his Grig? name is like that's how it <laughs> that's how it talks yeah. you through the narrative time and time again and by by the second sentence you're going to be rolling your eyes like probably if you're if you start rolling your eyes too early with this game you're going to have issues with your eyes yeah (laughs) by the end of (laughs) this game you're gonna have uh, sore eye muscles this was ported to japan not ported here right right yeah it was written to be like that yeah they wanted you to think that it was a bad translation final thoughts at the end of each and every one of our episodes, we determine whether or not this game gets our vote for yeah. New Game Plus status, which is our general thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, usually, it's good to go to the person that's been most outspoken. Uh, so, Nolan? <laughs> or not outspoken. Yeah, I love it. I'm giving New Game Plus. Okay, good, good. Good little twist. All right, Kenny? <laughs> that's not real life. Okay. Or is it just fantasy? Oh. Should we sing the whole song? Nah, dude. It's seven minutes. Um, It's very old. There's no point in playing it. I think the series where it's come today, maybe it's, I mean, it's better, but it takes a certain kind of person to like these types of games. Even if this game would have pulled it off, like, I don't think it would have been my game. I think it's Kenny's game, maybe, but it's not your typical video game. It's really not. Um... Like it's so far removed from platforming or from uh, 
even a normal RPG that I don't think most people would like it. So don't play this stupid dumb game. <laughs> he likes it. Uh, I'm, I'll say that, look, it definitely has some promise. There are some good thoughts, but the execution is not there. And especially for today, guys, playing any game on uh, that, that came out on DOS is is difficult today but uh but even if you do get it up and running there are even some tweaks you have to do to the to the configuration files to get it to work so that's even before you start playing after you spend about an hour get it that's that's it's wait it's not going to be an hour but after you spend some time working through the files and working with dosbox to get it running uh you are going to I, I don't know. You're, you're going to be lost and yeah. you, you might find some endearing, intriguing characteristics, especially if you grew up playing these kinds of games in this era. But if you didn't, this is a hard game to come back to a hard pill to swallow and a hard no on <laughs> new game plus status. Hard pass. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I, I'm also going to say it, it doesn't get New Game Plus status. I, I will share some just thoughts there because I'd like to. Uh, in its day, for someone who specifically likes really, really hardcore kinds of sci-fi experience and noting that just game development hadn't come to the place either technology-wise or just sort of conceptually in terms of, you know, how you communicate things and not just throwing giant walls of text and thinking about the user experience and so many things that we sort of take for granted. Uh, like, you take all of those things out, and when this game came out, there's probably some people that enjoyed it. It started a series that I think we could have a lot of fun playing, and once it actually becomes vehicular combat and in a better-looking, though still old-school format like MechWarrior 2, I think we could actually have fun playing this series. But this one lost its way. When you want to be vehicular combat and then build a game where you literally don't have to do vehicular combat, in fact, shouldn't if you want to play the game efficiently, you fundamentally have done some bad game design things, yep. and that's completely unforgivable in my mind. So even if I had liked the game, which I didn't especially... Uh, though I like the ideas of what they were trying to do and the depth of what they were trying to do and the details, uh, e- even then, I still don't think it should have gotten New Game Plus because that's just counterintuitive. That's just bad game design and kind of unforgivable. So certainly no New Game Plus for me either. Which means Mech Warrior is not New Game Plus certified. Woo! Set this game aside. Reserve your gaming retro gaming time for a different retro game. But before we do, want to hear from a few of our viewers. Mike wrote in and said, "It's great to see a podcast review an old game like this." While I was generally a fan of Mech One back when it came out, I was only like ten years old at the time, so I don't think I ever made it through the storyline, and it was even pretty hard for me just to work my way up to the heavy slash assault mechs to play those so even though i liked the game at the time i wouldn't necessarily recommend the game to someone nowadays conversely in terms of gameplay battletech crescent hawks revenge that's a name aged much better and is worth someone's time if they're into older games like this at least if you can ignore the unreasonably unfair rng i want nice to know some alternatives like beyond just like play further games in the in the mech warrior piece of series 
if you're intrigued by kind of what this game tried to do, to have an alternative is really nice. So um, Nolan, Nolan has a good idea. Let's uh, let's get one of the board games and let's just play that together. <laughs> I actually oh, would probably I have a Dice lot Tower of fun doing that. <laughs> You're right. Probably Dice Tower. Tom Vassal. We'll bring, what do you yeah, think? we'll bring Tom Vassal back as a guest. Hang on. I'll go get Tom. <laughs> uh, Antonin wrote in and he said, I didn't play the game for long, partially because my setup crashed the game anytime mm-hmm. I had to exit a mission. But I think I've got a good sense of what it entails. I'll start with saying that this game is hard to play today. From graphics to the game virtually not existing anymore to the confusing controls, the game is difficult from just a logistical standpoint. I would not give it my NGP status. However, I'd like to remark on the positive features and highlight those. Lol. He actually does have some. Number one, the HUD is awesome. Now it's yeah, I really felt I'd like agree. I was in that mech. It didn't have simplified controls. It was more like a sim where you're a pilot than a game where you are the mech. Number two, negotiating over contracts was such an awesome and novel idea. I did not expect it from a game like this. Number three, the maps were vast, even if difficult to traverse. Number four, illustrations were beautiful. I really enjoyed the main menu background and even the spaceship liftoff. Lastly, the game spawned a great series. I thought I had played MechWarrior as a kid, but after this week, I realized it was the sequel that I played, and the gameplay footage for that one feels much more like a solid modern game. I definitely recommend mw2 over this game what we didn't play mw2 yep. I'm, I'm seconding that sentiment and uh may even go back and see if i can no, load it up won't. easily enough just because like nostalgia for me no you won't what you, you still have time person? in between your like uh might and magic 7 <laughs> gameplay that you're doing <laughs> I, I need still? to go finish Yikes. that that playthrough too we got uh, lots of games yeah, right. to play Hey, Mike Antonin, thank you guys for writing in. Each and every week, you can send in your thoughts and your commentary on the Retro Game of the Week to ngppodcast at gmail.com or submit your commentary to the commentary channel on our Discord. We'd love to include your thoughts each and every week. But for now, we are going to randomly select a new game from our growing, so large Retro Master list. Yeah, chill out. The fun thing is we're actually going to play this two weeks because it is Thanksgiving. And next week, what do we have coming at them? Uh, Thanksgiving. Y- yep, we're sending Thanksgiving <laughs> your way. But also, what else, Kenny? That next week, you guys get to partake in a retro recap. You know that every once in a while, we like to go back and reminisce ourselves about if our opinions of games have changed and just look back at the games we've played recently. And it's also a great way for you to review or to onboard if you want to know some of the games we've been playing but haven't been listening to the episode long. So we try to do that about every 20 or 25 episodes, and it's time for another one. So you'll get to jump in to a retro recap next week. So for the next 14 days, we are going to be playing the game that comes out of this randomizer right now. The game that we're going to be playing for the next 14 days is a 1999 game on the Game Boy Color. Uh, okay. So we can play over Thanksgiving break while we're traveling. We can play on our GBCs. On the go. Yeah, on the go. GBC. Uh, it is a... It, I don't... It was developed by Jupiter, published by Nintendo. It's a pinball game based off of Pokemon. It's called Pokemon Pinball. <laughs> Is there 14 days of playing this game? Oh no, yeah. It, it should have been an RPG. That that old uh 
that old Windows pinball game I could spend 14 days playing no, easily. The one Maybe that comes this will installed? have that level of complexity. <laughs> no. Pokemon uh, Pinball, eh? I never listen, played it. Maybe I bet we there's have some, to collect like, elements. Yeah, I'm sure we have to collect 150 Pokemon somehow, right? I don't know. Mm. We'll see. Well, wrong game. Find Pokemon Pinball this week, and as you're traveling around, eating your turkey and watching your football, pull out your Game Boy Color and play with us, Pokemon Pinball. If you would like to talk about all the sports games coming up, you can go to our Discord server. It's a free program. It's a free Go invite. Football. Go to our Twitter and click on the Discord link in our bio. Special thanks, doubly so, on this Thanksgiving week uh, to, hey, you see what I did there? Uh, yep, keep going. Uh, <laughs> to our uh, patrons, you guys do such wonderful things in supporting us. Uh, helping this podcast to continue and grow, and we're so appreciative, especially to our producer-level supporters, uh, Dear Baby, Alex, Gimbarino, and Zion. You guys are the best. Did you go reverse this order? Interesting. You know, sometimes I go crazy, Kenny. (laughs) Sometimes you got to mix it up. Uh, we also want to thank Hookshot because our good uh. friend that's been around for just a little bit actually donated or is starting to uh, became a patron. Yay. And uh, that thanks, is Hookshot. that's super cool that you would do that because our the big news that we kind of pitched at the beginning and that we're bringing around to right now has to do with Hookshot also. Oh, my gosh. Who's, who should say it? Not me. Not me. Oh, what? Not, okay. Not me. Kenny. Me, me, me. <laughs> <laughs> just so Kenny doesn't. Yeah, I don't want That's Kenny. Probably to. a good idea. <laughs> Take Hookshot is awesome because he is a graphic designer of sorts, and he sent us several mock-up graphics for New Game Plus T-shirts. Oh, that's right, guys. Baby. We talked Merch about it for coming. a while, and we were like, you know what? We're big enough it doesn't matter we can have t-shirts and they're super cool so Listen, yeah we're we're three years old as a podcast and we're just now getting t-shirts we took this long to perfect the images <laughs> yeah but the coolest thing nolan is that we're actually we're not picking the designs ourselves. we are not so it's gonna be up to our patrons we have a post on patreon if you support us at any level from a dollar to 25 a month you get to vote twice in out of five different t-shirt designs. So you pick your two favorite shirts and the winner of those votes will be the shirts that we have on sale. Yeah. And so come 2019, we are going to have new game plus t-shirts. We're going to go with those two designs and uh, yeah, they're going to be available for sale. And so you'll actually be able finally to walk around with some cool retro video game podcast t-shirts that are not embarrassing. (laughs) No, they're so sick. I'm telling you guys, you need to see them. Like guys, we wouldn't wear many video game t-shirts, not because we're embarrassed about video games, but because most of them suck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, oh, yeah. yeah, a lot of the designs are really cheesy, and these are tasteful and hilarious and mm, awesome. They're great. So if you would like to have your vote, just come on over to patreon.com slash NGP podcast, support us at any level, and then you'll get access to so much content. Not just that poll, but I mean, so just an unlimited amount of content. That's not true. It's facetious, but it's visit us there. The, the, the content is limited. But we try and bring as much of it, and as uh, we we really do try and make it worth your while. So thanks so much again to all of you that support us. 
As always, you can find us on social media. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch at NGP Podcast. You can see our video content on YouTube at New Game Plus Podcast. Listen to us directly on any podcast provider of your choice. Make sure you subscribe so that you are the first to get new NGP episodes. And while you're at it, leave a kind rating and review. This episode was edited and produced by our friend Tom Tate. Join us in two weeks as we play Pokemon Pinball. Until then, I'm still Dustin. I'm Kenny. I'm Ash Ketchum. And this has been New Game Plus. has been new game plus oh yeah what was that i don't know i just needed to oh yeah